I landed. This is the Lord's message for this morning. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Now this song contains a series of lyrical love songs. There's a series of songs within it. Chapter 2 is a male and female duet, as we're going to see. Jewish scholars, they interpret this book as an allegory in which God shows His love for His people. Many Christians, because we're viewing it from the cross, we can see now that the book is portraying the love of Christ for His church. That's how we're going to study chapter 2, the love of Christ for His church. Solomon is, after all, one of the greatest types of Christ in all of the Bible. Maybe uh, Joseph being a greater type. But Solomon is one of the great types of Christ in the Bible. We're going to read in chapter 2, if you have your Bible open, chapter 2 and verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, those are deer, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. So the picture that comes closest to the intimacy between God and his people is that of a bridegroom and a bride. And that's the picture that we see here. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord together in prayer, remembering our requests before the Lord and our praises. Our God and Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, first of all, for the great love wherewith you've loved us in sending your only begotten Son into this world. The love that he's shown to us here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. And Lord, you've shown us what true love is. And we saw that. We saw it with the eyes of faith. And this world saw it 2,000 years ago on the cross, when Jesus got up on the cross and he took the curse of sin and he bore the penalty for our sins and bore it away on the cross and died under the judgment and the wrath of God for sin and died in our place as our substitute. A love that would go to that end in order to save me and a love that really was in the heart of God before the foundation of the world and is enjoyed by every believer in Jesus Christ now to think that, Lord, you loved me before you ever said the first word on the day of creation. You loved me. You had me in mind. You had me in mind on the cross when you died for your creation. And you love me still today, and you always will. And everyone who's born again knows what that means. And those who are born again understand this passage the best. Oh, the great, great love of God 
for a lost and dying world. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to to preach that, to spread the good news of the gospel, to be a church that never stops talking about the love of God, the cross, the pardon and forgiveness for sinners. Lord, uh, we lift up each request that uh, was given this morning. We also offer back to you our praises for the things that you've done. And Lord, uh, for the salvation of souls. And Father, we pray for the Ryber family and their time of loss. And I pray for Randy, one of our own, who's walked with his mother through the valley of the shadow of death. And now she's reunited with you. And I pray, Father, that you'd comfort him in his time of grieving. And Lord, uh, bless that family and bless the funeral and everything that will occur. We pray for the others that are on our list that have lost loved ones. We pray for those who are sick. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for those that are in need of justice. We think of that man in the military. And we pray for him and pray that justice would be served there. And for every other military member that doesn't want to take the vaccine, Father, that they would be discharged honorably if they have to be or that they would get their benefits that are due to them. They earned them. And Father, I pray for our country. Pray for, uh, Lord, uh, that this thing would settle down. Lord, I pray for Ukraine. I pray for what's going on over there. I pray for the protection of the missionaries and the Christians there. And God, I know that all of this, uh, you're working behind all of it. Lord, for our church now today and for the hour right now, a crucial hour this morning, I pray, Father, that your word would go forth, that it would have liberty, that you'd make it easy to understand, make it easy for me to preach. And I pray, Father, the arrows uh, would, would strike the hearts of everyone in here that they're attended for. And, I, Father, I pray if there's one that's not saved, one uh, maybe watching or listening after the fact that's not saved, I pray that they would be saved uh, the simple Bible way, through simple faith and belief and trusting in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And Lord, I pray that Christ would be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I said, the intimacy between God and His people is best pictured by the intimacy of a bride and her bridegroom. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul explains that. The picture of a love between a man and a woman is uh, the picture of Christ's love for His church. And when you do marriage counseling, premarital counseling, or postmarital counseling, uh, you always talk about Ephesians 5 that the purpose of a marriage is to picture God's love for His people. And God desires a physical love, excuse me, a personal love relationship with each one of us. Don't miss that. God desires a love relationship with you personally. On Valentine's Day, we often think of our closest earthly relationships. We start counting the pros and cons sometimes of our, of our relationships But we'll think of a spouse, we'll think of children, we might think of a parent. But I want us this Sunday before Valentine's Day, I want us to evaluate our personal relationship with the lover of our souls and the effects that that has on every relationship in your life. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're saved, your relationship with Jesus Christ affects Every other relationship in your life. I want you to think about it this way. Think about a triangle. Okay? At the top of the triangle is Christ. He is the pinnacle. He is the epitome 
of love. And he never does anything wrong. So if there's a problem in your personal love relationship with God, it's on our side, right? It's not on his side. And down here, you have a husband and a wife. If the closer that they get to the Lord, the closer that they get to each other. This is the way it's explained. And now, if a wife decides to get close to the Lord, but the husband doesn't, they're still far apart from each other. There's still distance between them. No matter where she moves on this line, same thing with the husband. No matter where he moves on the line, there's still distance between them because they're both Christians and this is the way it's meant to work. And the thing is, is that a husband and a wife will get closer to each other as they both purpose in their heart to put their love relationship with God first. That is the priority in your life is your personal relationship with the Lord. And as you do that, it blesses everything else in your life, including your marriage. So that's where we're going with this. Uh, but number one, I want us to see, as we read the words of this song, you know, Song of Solomon is probably like the song of songs, right? The greatest song. That's the way this, the Jews said it in, in verse 1 of chapter 1. The song of songs. This is the greatest of, song, of Solomon's songs. He wrote a thousand and five of them, the Bible tells us. This one's the greatest. And as we start out in chapter 2, I want you to hear the voice of our beloved. Hear the voice of Christ singing to his bride, the church. Verse 1, I am the rose of Sharon. That's Jesus talking. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Sharon is a large plain and it's on the Mediterranean coast in the land of Israel. If you're if you know your Bible lands and you know the Bible map, you're, you're at the top of the Dead Sea. If you fly up halfway up the Jordan River and then you go to the west towards the Mediterranean coast, you're on the plain of Sharon. He says, I'm the rose of Sharon. I'm the rose that blooms there. It is a very large plain, and it's interesting to note that uh, in 2019... The Jewish press uh, reported that in the plain of Sharon, towards the north of it, that uh, there's been widespread excavations of a city called En Esser. So this archaeological site, they've had thousands and thousands of teenagers, around five or 6,000 teenagers, fly in from different times and take turns for one week at a time digging around in the ground and finding this ancient city. And what they discovered was a city that's 5,000 years old. And it was put there by a pharaoh of Egypt. And it was put there because that's like a traveling route, a trade route, uh, going up from Egypt up to the crescent, uh, the, the fertile crescent area north of Jerusalem. And so they would travel through there. Anytime Israel was attacked, they were attacked on that route, coming down from the north or else coming up from the south. But he put that city there and they found it. And it's 5,000 years old. Think of that. About the 4th fourth, fourth century B.C. And they've been digging around in the ground, and they found that it was like a, like a metropolis. It was like the New York City of that time. There's a public square, streets, alleys, homes, even a large temple where they would worship their pagan deities. They found all over the place little, little trinkets, little images, little idols that they used for their worship, 
They found that all over the place, looking like sheep and like goats because they were agricultural people and, and uh, that was their money, basically, was their livestock. And then beneath that, they found a civilization that's 7,000 years old. And so what the man said, and what was interesting to me, is he said uh, not only that they were idolatrous, and that, that idolatry came from Egypt, that's where that came from, but he said that what we have found changes everything, this man reporting. He said, this is going to change our books. We're going to have to change our history books because of what we've found. And when I heard that, <laughs> I, th- I thought, praise the Lord, because I've got a book that never needs to be changed. Amen. This always stays the same. Amen. The world's history books, their science books, are always changing. And I've got one that tells me about the Rose of Sharon, and I can live by this book, This book is able to give me the new birth. I can live by this book. I'm sanctified by this book. And I can die by this book. And trust what it says, especially about my Lord, the Rose of Sharon. And he says, I am the Rose of Sharon. And forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know, Jesus, he said during his earthly ministry, he said, I am the bread of life. Remember that? He said, he said, if you come unto me and you drink, you'll never thirst again. So he's the water of life. And he said, it'll be in you as a, well, as, a, as a well springing up into everlasting life. And he said, I am the light of the world. All of those things are essential for life. You cannot live without those things. But here he says, I'm the rose. Now that's not essential, but it adds beauty you, you, you pick up a rose, and it's, the, it's the, uh, the king of flowers. It's the greatest of all flowers, and it smells beautiful. It's pleasant to look at. And it's something that you give flowers to show your love for somebody, right? You're trying to figure out, how can I tell her I love her? How can I tell her how much she means to me? And, and men somewhere a long time ago figured out, get her flowers, and ever since that day, it's, it still works. It, it never, never fails. How can I express my love? I'm too dumb, really, to figure out how to write something, you know. Dad, I'll write something simple and look like she, you know, third grader wrote that, you know. I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or no, you know. But, uh, but she thinks it's adorable. But flowers, man, flowers. But they're not essential. He says, I'm the Rose of Sharon. And I'm the lily of the valley. It's a very humble flower. That's a poor person's flower. That's a shepherd's flower. And Jesus says, that's what I am to you. He says, I am this. And you know, the Lord wants to add beauty to your life. He wants, to, he wants the, the, the fragrance of heaven to be on you and on your life. He, he wants to give you himself every day he wants to give you himself to show you his love to show you what you mean to him to show you and to remind you that he still loves you and he'll always always love you if you belong to him if you belong to his church and so he gives you something that's not essential for life like the bible is the bible's essential for life. 
but he gives you something that just adds to the beauty of it. Do you think about your Christian life that way? Sometimes the Lord just gives you things, and thanks for providing an illustration. He'll just give you a little extra something, just a little handful of purpose, just a little extra something. He'll go above and beyond what he really is required to do to take care of you and just give you a little something extra like meeting another Christian brother and having some fellowship along the way. Like somebody sending a text message to you when you're having a particularly bad day and sending something to you that that cheers you up. Like the other day we were watching the movie in here, you know, as a church, and I was sitting back there and uh, watching that movie with everybody else that came. And just in the middle of that service, the Lord, like, he, He let His presence be known in a way that is, He doesn't do it all the time, just every once in a while, He does this, but it's almost like, you know, as if he just came and sat down right beside me. Now, not literally, but I'm saying he came and he spoke to my heart and he said to me, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've always loved you. I loved you before you were born. That's my love. It's an eternal love. And when you get into the flow of that, that eternal love, that's that's what he loves you with. And he just reminded me of it. And I just, why are you telling me this? Why are you reminding me of this, Lord? And, well, you know how we feel. You know how we feel sometimes. We feel like uh, we've blown it. Or we feel like somehow we're a disappointment. Somehow we fall short or we should be more. And he says, I love you. And he just reminded me of that. And I just, I don't know why he did. Maybe I'll find out eventually. But just a little something extra. I didn't need that. He didn't have to do that. But he did. He says, I am the rose of Sharon. And let me tell you, folks, he's got the same love for everyone in here if you're born again. He doesn't have favorites with his children. He loves you. And he loves you if you're in Christ. Can you tell a lost person, a sinner who's, uh, not, who's outside of Christ, who's rejecting the gospel, rejects what Christ did on the cross, can you tell them God loves you? You can't, technically. You can tell them God loves this lost world so much that He gave His Son to die on the cross. But if you want His love, you've got to go to the cross. You've got to go to the cross. That's where His love is found. And you go there by faith. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the love of God. Otherwise, you're outside of His love. You see, you can tell children and Children, God loves you. God loves you. But to a hardened sinner, a man who's an atheist who rejects God, and you say God loves you, he'd laugh at you. He'd laugh at you. And the truth is, they're not in God's love. That's a hard truth for 21st century America, but it's true nonetheless. They're not in God's love until they get in Christ. And I want you to understand this. God makes each one of us to be what we are. But you are accepted in the beloved because of what Christ has done. Because you're in Christ. Jesus takes the disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And there he is. And there uh, Moses and Elijah appear before them. And Peter's there. And James and John. And and Peter's so excited he doesn't know what to say. And he thinks, well, let's let's make three tabernacles. You know, for you, Jesus, and for Moses and Elijah. And then a, sh- a cloud comes, right, and overshadows them, and God speaks, thunders from heaven, and said, not three tabernacles for three men. They're not equal. 
He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. God is pleased with his son. If you want to get in good with God, get in his son. You see? And then he accepts me and I'm I'm accepted in the beloved, not because I'm a good little boy. I'm accepted in the beloved because I am in him and my identity is with him. And I am wed with him, and he, I'm taking his name, you see. That's why when I feel like I've blown it, or when I feel like I fall short, and all of those kind of things, that I can come to God and, and not come to him saying, Now, God, you know, uh, I know I'm not really worthy, but I, you know, I have done this right, and I've done this right, and done that. No, I never come to God that way. I come to God saying, God, I am unworthy of everything you've ever done for me. And I messed up here, I blew it here, or else I feel like, I feel like I've gone cold on you. My love has gone cold. And uh, I need you to stir up the flame of my love, and uh, I don't want to be cold or lukewarm anymore. But I come to you, God, because I know that you love your son, and you're pleased with him, and he's my sacrifice, he's my high priest, he's my advocate praying for me, and I know that if I walk in the light and confess my sins, then I can have fellowship with you because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sins. Not because I'm a good little boy. But you know, don't miss this truth either. One day Jesus was preaching, and there was a man that came up to him and was going to ask him a question. And the Bible says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. Don't understand that. How is that? And God, when He looks at you, He made you to be the person that you are. He made me to be the person that I am. He gave us our personal characteristics and everything. And, and, and He wants us to be who we are, but be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And God loves who we are, and He sees who we will become. What are we going to become? We're going to be conformed to the image of His Son. God sees the finished product. We're, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But he says, I'm the rose of Sharon. Look, he says, uh, I'm the rose, right? In verse number one. Look at verse number two. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Jesus said, I am the lily, right? I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. I am the lily. But you, those that he set his love and his affection on, the church, you are as the lily. You are as the lily. There's a great truth here that the church should be like Christ. We should be like Christ. He is our only beauty. And as we spend more and more time with him, we become more like him. And we abide in Him through faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 2.6 says this, He that saith he abideth in Him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. When people look at your life, when the people look at you, do they say you're Christ-like? Because we're supposed to be as the lily. Do they say that you are like Jesus Christ? 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 2 through 4 says this, while they beheld your chaste conversation coupled with fear, it's talking about women witnessing before unbelieving husbands, 
Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The Bible teaches women to dress themselves up with the beauty of the hidden man of the heart. And Paul said that as you are Christ-like, as you are submissive and humble and meek and quiet like a lily, the humble flower of the field, as you are this way, it's the hidden man of the heart, the beauty of your Christian testimony that will get to your husband. You don't have to nag him. God will use that to bring him to faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's not corruptible. And here's the truth. As we grow older, sorry to say it, but as we grow older, these old flesh pots that we live in, they fade and they fall apart and have to have surgeries and have to have you put back together and things like that. Get wrinkles and, and your, your skin gets pale and all this kind of stuff, man. You lose the outward beauty. But guess what? There's a beauty inside that never fades. Amen. The longer you know the Lord, the more beautiful you are to those who appreciate godly beauty. So in a, in a marriage, though your beauty outward may fade, if your husband loves the Lord, even if he doesn't love the Lord, still the beauty of the inner man, Jesus Christ in you, will be attractive to your spouse. That means the longer that you're married, if you're right with the Lord, again, if your relationship is right with the Lord, the longer that you're married, the more attractive your spouse should be to you. And the more attractive you ought to be to the world around you. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us what we're really like before we meet, we meet Christ. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's me before I came to Christ. I wasn't as the lily. I was dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. He's saying you walked with the devil before you got saved. The spirit that now worked, worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation our walk, our manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Ye are saved. The picture of a lost man is not a pretty picture. But what God does with a person when they come to Christ, it changes everything. So he says, you are as the lily among the thorns. That means all the other daughters of this world, they're like thorns compared to you. Look at the way that the Lord is complimenting his bride. Look at the way that he's speaking to her with his words and uh, comforting her with his words. So is my love among the daughters. And you know, the rest of the people in this world that are outside of Christ, they're thorns. The thorn is the picture of the uh, curse on this world, on this fallen world. The thorns came because of sin, because of the fall. And the thorns, uh, they choke out the life of, of something that's beautiful like a lily, and they cumber the ground. And he says, you, compared to this world, my church, there's no comparison this world and all the things in this world, one of these days are going to burn. But before that happens, the Lord is going to pick the beautiful lily 
of his church and pick the lily and take it home with him before that comes. And the rest of the world is thorns, he says. And then the bride, the church, sings back of her love to Christ in this duet. She sings back and humbly returns the compliment with words of love and adoration. She's not just going to take a compliment. She's going to give a compliment. In verse 3, as the apple tree among the trees of the wood. Now he's just talking about, the, she's, she's saying there's the forest. There's all the trees of the wood, the cedar trees or what have you. And the rest of the trees in the forest, they're all barren. They're just trees. They're not good for anything unless you cut them down, and then you can use the wood for something. But really, they're all barren, but you, you stand out. And she says, you are an apple tree. You are fruitful. So is my beloved among the sons, all the other men in town. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. You know what she's saying? She's saying, I sat down underneath your tree and ate of the fruit and sat for a while. This is a picture of communion. If the woman is the church and if the man is Christ, it's a picture of communion, of spending time with the Lord. Have you tasted of these apples? If you haven't, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And those who have trusted in Christ and those who have enjoyed real communion, real time with the Lord alone, real fellowship with the Lord, they know best of what these words mean. You know, the Lord tasted the bitter fruit of death for you. If you've never tasted of the Lord and seen that he's good, he tasted of death. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, and he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he tastes death for his church so that we can come into communion and to fellowship with him, into this personal, close love relationship, and enjoy the fruit, the sweetness. Don't miss the sweetness of the Christian life. you got to suck it up whenever you can get it. Just the, the times of fellowship with other believers... God just blessing you and giving you something. Just coming to church and, and singing these old hymns and stuff like that. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Read the words that you're, that you're singing. Sing the song as a prayer. Let it mean something to you. Spend time when you're at church really in the Word of God. Just trying to suck up the sweetness of it. If you come with that kind of an attitude, you're going to get it. You're going to get what you want. And the Lord saying uh, that he's like an apple tree. He's like the shade. And you can come and you can sit underneath this shade and be protected from the heat of the day and from all of the burdens of life bearing down upon you that would wear you out and exhaust you and dehydrate you spiritually. You've got to spend time under the tree enjoying the fruit of this relationship with the Lord. It needs to happen in church. You need to set, come and say, Lord, I need something today. I need to be revived. I want to enjoy this relationship with you. And right now I'm struggling, and he understands all of that. And it ought to be a thing where daily you're getting alone with the Lord and starting your day with the Lord. Maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe it's an evening time. But there ought to be a time every day where you say, I'm going to go enjoy the shade of his tree. 
and enjoy the fruit of communion and fellowship with him and spend time in the word of God, spend time praying, spend time thinking about what he's saying. You can't get it from Christian movies. You can't get it from Christian radio. You can't get it from even conversation with other believers. You cannot get it from the daily bread. You can't get it from Christian books. You've got to get it from this book. You've got to tell your flesh, I'm going to sit down with this book and it's going to be a conversation between me and the Lord. I'm going to read it till he gives me something. I need something for my soul. And then when he does, I'm going to sit and think about it and suck up the sweetness. And then I'm going to talk back to him. And I'm going to pray and it's going to be a relationship. You've got to have that communion with the Lord. I think the devil has sold us Christianity packaged in material, you know, like a, some kind of a, like a sales pitch or something. Boxed it and packaged it and marketed it to us and given us a shallow, worthless Christianity in America. God's, God chooses the old paths for his people. The old paths are a good Bible preaching church, getting you the, the book, the right book, the one that he's blessed, and spending time alone in it with the Lord and walking in the power of the Spirit. Listen, Jesus complimented the woman. He complimented the woman. She complimented him back. There's an interchange there. There's a love relationship. Then she says, I want to enjoy communion with you and the sweetness. And you're unlike any other. Nobody else can do this for me. Man, the rest of the world, everything that the world has to offer, the longer that I'm saved, I'm not satisfied by any of it. The only thing that really satisfies me is the Lord. Amen. And, and, and when I get close to Him, guess what? I love my wife. She's a beautiful woman. I'm so thankful for her. But our marriage is what it should be when I get close to her. And, and I love the children that are in our home. And, and I love music because I'm making music for the Lord. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Uh, I, just every, it's all about the Lord. And um, when I let that go, man, when I let that go, I let my prayer time, the, 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 the compliments, the communion, the confession, and cleansing. When I let that go, that needs to happen daily. There needs to be a time where you get alone with the Lord and you start the day with the Lord. You confess that you're weak in your flesh. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And you pray for cleansing of any sin that you need to take care of. And you say, Lord, today I want to commit. I want to commit my life to you once again. I want to walk with you today. I want to walk with you, and I want to walk as Jesus walked during his earthly ministry. And I commit my life to you today. Can I walk with you in communion and fellowship? And along the path throughout the day, just bringing the Lord into your life. This needs to happen, folks. This isn't just for preachers. This is for you sitting in the pew. This is for every believer. Communion with the Lord, walking with the Lord, talking with the Lord throughout the day. Confessing things as they come up. uh, Claiming the blood of Jesus Christ. Praying for people as you meet them, you see what they're going through. You have a ministry. But you, you have to spend time under the shade of His tree, delighting in His fruit. Why is it, folks? Why is it? Uh... Why is it that somehow it's so hard to spend time in this book? Why is it it would be so easy? Uh, I was talking with some ladies the other day, yesterday, day before, 
and uh, they had a quote that was really good, but it spawned this thought. This thought came from it. Why is it you can go to the Christian bookstore and the shelves are just lined with all these little paperback fiction books and all these self-help books? And there's a huge multi-million dollar industry in Christian bookstores to sell all this garbage. Bunch of stuff that's just going to burn. It's, it's going to hit the, uh, you know, the second-hand bookstores in a couple years. <laughs> you know? And people can spend hours reading that junk, but somehow you get into here and you feel like you can't do it. You feel like, I just can't concentrate. I can't read it. And, and you don't. We, you know, we have a plan that we've been going through as a church. We've got our daily Bible reading. Have you been doing it? Um, I got mine at home on my desk. Going through that daily with the Lord and making it a personal thing. Why is it so hard to do that? Because this is a spiritual battle. Because your flesh doesn't like this. And you've got to just tell yourself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because it's good for me. And then you just say, Lord, I'm cold on you. Gone cold. Would you, would you stir me up? Would you start the fires again? Of revival in my heart. We're not going to get through all of this. I'm going to finish with this. When you come to church, folks, you should not be comfortable in church. Not all the time. When you come to church, you're not coming here saying, make me comfortable. Entertain me. Bless me. It's me. All about me. I didn't feel like I got anything today. You are full. You're not the rose. You're the lily. And you're full of yourself. You need to come to church and say, I expect that God is going to meet with me there and that God is going to help me to put this flesh down, to die to myself, and to help me to live for Jesus Christ. And I expect when I come to church that uh, the Lord's going to deal with me from time to time. And I expect if I bring somebody in here who's lost, they're going to come under conviction until they get right with the Lord. Right? Now, not every time we come in here should we go out of here with, the t- with our tail between our legs. Right? But you ought to come to church and say, you know what? I need to do right. I need to do right. I need to do right. And then once you confess the thing and, and ask for cleansing, it's done, man. Get up and go. You're, you're right with God. Right? Walk in the light. Okay, if we say that we walk in the light and do not the truth, we're walking in darkness and we're liars. You know, walk in the light. What does that mean? Walk as Jesus walked. Did you yesterday? Are you going to today? You know, but listen, over it all, over it all, the great banquet house in verse 4, we'll just finish with this. He brought me to his banquet house and his banner over me was love. She's saying the king took me, this Shulamite woman, this this humble woman, he brought me into the banqueting house where it's just filled with beauty. It's filled with things that are meant to be pleasing, things that are meant to uh, say this is a celebration, man. This is a banquet house. This is a time to celebrate. This is a time to enjoy life and enjoy one another. He brought me into the banqueting house. We're not there yet. That's after the judgment seat of Christ. But we're going to be there. It's New Jerusalem for us. He brought me into the banqueting house and his banner over me. Can you see it in gold letters? L-O-V-E. Embossed on his banner in gold. Love. Over me. His banner over me was love. His banner over you today, if you are saved, it is love. 
It's love. It's not condemnation. It's not a disapproving look. It's not rejection. It's not disappointment in you. It's not harsh criticism about every little thing that you do wrong. And He looks at you and loves you. And His banner over you, over all of it, is love. Let me give you this and we'll stop. God is for you. He's not against you. Somebody in here needs to hear that. God is for you. If you're saved, He's not against you. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, God's face is toward you. His face is toward you, not His back. Some of us feel like, I just blew it. God's done with me. He's not done with you. If He saved you, He knew what He was getting, and He's going to do something with you. And His face is toward you to bless you. The Lord make His face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Those are blessings. The Lord, His face is toward you to bless you. You are on the Lord's team if you're saved. You're on the Lord's team. You're not on the sidelines. People get this idea. I blew it. God is all done with me. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and everybody else is going to be out in the game and I'll just, I'm just stuck here. No, God's got something for you to do. God wants you to be in the game. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. His banner over you is love. If you're not right with God, confession and cleansing and say, I'm going to get back to communion. And you don't have to come in there like he doesn't really want me here. No, he, he wants you there. He, 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 his face is toward you, not his back. He's not rejecting you. If you're in Christ, he's received you. You're accepted in the beloved. If you've blown it before and you spent years not serving the Lord... Uh, and you think, I'm all done now, and I made some mistakes here. And, and no, He wants you back out on the field. He wants you in the game. He's chosen you before Him. And you are, listen, you are holy and without blame before Him in love. That's what you are before Christ. And His banner over you. It's an insignia. It's a military thing. It means that you're identified with a country. And your country is not here. Your country is heaven. And it's erected. Because a field of battle was taken. Enemies were conquered and Christ conquered the enemies. Our, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's conquered the enemies. He's conquered death. You belong to heaven. Live like it. You, you're not supposed to be living in, in, in uh, defeat. You're supposed to be living in victory. The flesh is not supposed to rule you. The world is not supposed to allure you and distract you. The devil is not supposed to deceive you and take ground in your life. It doesn't belong to him. If he's taken it, then ask in Jesus' name for it back. And say, Jesus, take this back. Take the ground back because it doesn't belong to him. His banner over you is love. Listen, if you feel like your marriage is struggling, if you feel like your relationship is struggling... The answer is not in making your spouse get right. The answer is not fixing your spouse. Flowers are always good. Always, always good. The answer is not even in fixing yourself. Because you might not even know really what needs to be fixed first. The answer is getting thoroughly right with the Lord. Amen. And the both of you saying, we're going to get close to the Lord and we're going to come to Him 
knowing we're accepted. And the way he looks at us, the way he sees us, is like this picture here. He sees us as a lily. He sees that we are the object of his affection. His face is towards us. We belong to him. He has a purpose for our lives, and he can fix what needs to be fixed in our marriage as we get closer to him. And then you know what? He'll fix it right. I might be talking to somebody whose spouse is, uh, needs to be taken out somewhere and hanged up in a tree. You can't fix them. You can't fix her. You can't do it. And don't take vengeance. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, right? No, God can fix a person and fix it right, and we won't be able to fix it right. Our job is just get close to the Lord. That's your responsibility. Let's go ahead and stand for a word of prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> you know, where might, where might we be in 10 years if, you know, if we try to just come to church on Sunday morning and just try to get a little something and and we don't really take seriously our, our daily walk with the Lord. We don't take seriously that we should walk as Christ walked. We don't take seriously this time of communion. Where would we be? Probably wouldn't be in church. If we were in church, it'd just be an outward show. It'd just be a religious habit. But imagine where you could be with the Lord if you walked with Him. Imagine how that might help your relationships in your life. Imagine what, I'll tell you folks, I, I don't want to miss out on being with the Lord and walking with Him. I, I'm so dissatisfied with this world and with myself even, but I know I'm never dissatisfied with Jesus he makes it all worth it. He makes it all worth it. And if I'm not spending time with Him in communion and walking in fellowship with Him days at a time, if I'm not doing that, then my relationship is struggling. And it's not because He doesn't want to be close to you, but it's because we've pulled back from Him and we've gotten cold on Him. And if that's the case, it's, it's so easy to fix. You just come before the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to confess this. I want to confess my coldness towards you. I want to confess my lack of prayer. I want to confess I've gone days without reading of your love letter. And, and uh, I, I confess I've just been walking in the flesh pretty much. And, and, uh, and it's wrong. And I want cleansing. And I want you to help me to walk in the light. Walk as Jesus walked. To walk with you each day. Help me to do that. I want to do that. I commit right now. I commit my life to you. I'll take it just one day at a time. And every day you just get up and you say, Lord, I commit my life to you. I will walk with you. And when I, when I do something wrong, I'm going to keep short accounts with you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to confess it and ask for cleansing and ask for you to help me not to do it again. And I'm going to walk in that. And that's walking in the light. And just know that His banner over you is love. His banner over you is love. 
Lord, we thank you for this message today. I pray that you'd bless in this time of invitation, in this invitation song. Father, I pray that if there be one here today that's never really trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, that they would come and that they would uh, receive of you your gift of